Duke, after two weeks off, is finally going to get back on the basketball court, presumably. Because as we've learned in the past week, nothing is final until kickoff slash tip-off. NC State learned that the hard way in San Diego. I'm Newsman Observer Sports Columnist Luke DeCock, and Steve Wiseman, our Duke beat writer, will join me again today. He's had a lovely couple of weeks off doing nothing. Nothing. I assume you did something. Uh, I did. But Duke... Duke hasn't Duke hasn't played since December twenty second. Uh, you got a football coach hired. Always a good good moment for a beat writer to get that out of the way. But that was done before Christmas. What did what did you do with your two weeks, Steve? Well, I I did get to spend some time with family for holidays, which was nice. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I I will say I did uh, test positive for COVID, and uh, I was under the weather for a couple of days. Being fully vaxxed and boosted, let me say that. Uh, I believe uh, limited the the illness. So after two or three days of uh, uh, you know having a fever and that kind of thing, it, I had to get over that. But I did you know isolate uh, for the whole five days, and uh, I'm still wearing a mask uh, when I go out in public for another five days, uh, trying to follow the rules and make sure I'm not shedding on anybody. But uh, uh, anyway, so I did have some some time off and then some more time off. I didn't expect to have off because I thought I was going to be traveling to Clemson and Notre Dame to cover basketball games. Uh, while you were out there in lovely San Diego, I was looking forward to going to South Bend, but that didn't work out. No, it did not. <laughs> uh, not obviously not the only ACC games to be postponed. Mike Krzyzewski said uh, this morning, as we, we tape on a Monday afternoon, that Duke really hasn't practiced at all either. You haven't been the only one taking two weeks off. Does not have a full complement of assistant coaches. Uh, it, it seems like Tuesday's game, home game against Georgia Tech, is going to be uh, everybody kind of flying by the seat of their pants a little bit for Duke. Is that sort of what you've gathered? Yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, as somebody who was in isolation, I know you're in a room, you can't really do anything. Uh, and Coach K this morning on the call with us, you know, said uh, there's there's no way to do any individual work. Everybody was pretty much isolated or quarantined, right? So it wasn't like you can go out there on the court and do anything five days of practice instead of having, you know, a couple of games mixed in there. So they are, uh, they're behind They're They're, they're back kind of not, not totally to square one because they have played 12 games, but they're going to take the court tomorrow night. Having really uh, not had a full team at practice, except maybe like today, one day, if I know there was one player they're waiting on to get cleared for today. And uh, so if he's there, then, okay, then you got a full team for one day, getting ready for an ACC game, having not played in two weeks. And uh, that's, that's not optimal. <laughs> uh, it's not what you want. Um, they dealt with this last year, you know, in many situations, uh, you know, when they had games called off and this and that and everything. Duke never had a game called off because of their problems until the ACC tournament. But uh, they did deal with these interruptions and and things. And uh, so we'll see how this group does it. This is something that, uh, you know, always comes up, it seems like, with, Duke teams, not COVID, but think back to Zion Williamson getting hurt, right? And uh, Jason Tatum's team that year had injury problems. And Coach K was out. And these great teams that have um, uh, interruptions to things that they have to overcome, and they haven't always done that, frankly, right? They got, Those teams never made the Final Four. So now, you know, not to get too far ahead, but we'll see how this team handles this, this interruption and this um, having to, to, to pick themselves back up and, and play well. I don't think they'll be at you know, full uh, strength tomorrow night as far as their abilities. I mean, let's face it, they're not going to be. Uh, 
this is a team they should beat uh, under normal circumstances. This is the, one of the not one of the better teams in the ACC, but we don't know until they get on the court, and then we'll see we'll see how they do. But uh, they're not going to be the cohesion is not going to be there tomorrow night. I think we can all already say that. I'll throw out the counterpoint of we could have had this conversation about this time in 2015 about losing Rashid Suleiman and things turned out okay for Duke, but obviously that's the one were, example. Those were different <laughs> circumstances for sure. That's right. That's right. It, it is. There is certainly though, maybe not as much for Duke, which, which didn't have a COVID pause last season, but certainly did have its schedule disrupted. And I believe to correct me if I'm wrong here, did not let their kids go home for Christmas last year. That's right. Yeah. And did, and did this year and ended up mm-hmm. in a COVID pause. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's, there was some disruption there, uh, but there is a sense, not just for Duke in a different way, but everybody at this deja vu, as we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, you and I on this podcast, it just feels like we're doing all the same things over again. Now there are differences obviously in terms of testing and, and quarantining fans and all that, that stuff, but man, it, it just, it, there's a, a real time as a flat circle element to what's going on this college basketball season. When you look at all the teams that are paused and here we are in January, you know, scrambling to reschedule games and reschedule them for important reasons. Uh, it, it is, uh, it's, it's a little crazy uh, to, to be back in this position. I, I, you've gone through it yourself personally now. I mean, are you having flashbacks? Definitely hundred percent. And um, uh, when I, when I got the test, positive test result on the uh, last week, my first thought was, well, I got a couple of basketball games I was supposed to cover. I'm not doing that now. Um, and then lo and behold, they weren't going to play them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all of a sudden you think you've got your schedule planned out for your life and for work and everything. And boom, everything just completely changes. You wake up with a, with a fever and some chills and a cough. And oh, my God, the whole world's different now. I go find a testing spot, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I thought, you know, you and I, uh, it was about, it was what, uh, last March when we went and got our first shots, right? Remember that? Uh, 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 we found that test in Harnett County. Thank God for the people in Harnett County, Harnett Health. And I remember walking out of there thinking, we've done it. You know, we've gotten through this. We, we've gotten our shots now. We've got our follow-up shot. Uh, we got our, I got boosted in October. And I didn't think it would come to this again. I didn't think we'd be having... 60 teams around the country having a COVID pause within the last week here or whatever that number is. And, uh, and the ACC's hit. Now we've got Duke's got to find a way. The ACC has to find a way to reschedule two Duke games that were supposed to be played last week. And maybe they will, and maybe they won't, you know, uh, we'll have an awkward set of standings again, like we had last year. I really thought we were through all this. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned one of the games that Duke lost. It's kind of a segue to our next topic here. Uh, the game at Clemson is one of, uh, only if, you know, without that game, Duke only has four quadrant one as the net stands now four quadrant one win opportunities left this year. That may not matter as much for Duke. I mean, it could be the difference between being a one seed and a two seed, but for a team like Louisville or Wake Forest or Florida state, uh, you know, these, these teams that are kind of in the bubble Clemson, that these teams that are kind of in the bubble conversation, you know, they, they desperately need to bolster their resumes. And the reality is whether you're Duke or anybody else, those, those opportunities just aren't out there this year in the ACC. I mean, right now, as of this morning, if you beat Duke or Virginia tech at home, or you win at Duke, Virginia tech, North Carolina, Clemson, Wake Forest, FSU, or Louisville, those are quadrant one wins. And that sounds like a lot, 
but teams don't win a lot of those road games. And compared to where the ACC was, say, in 2019, that's that's a that's a tiny number, a tiny number compared to where the, the league has been in the back in, 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 in the past. And, and it's almost impossible to put that into perspective. If you're a Florida State, if you're a Syracuse, you're a Virginia, you're a Miami, and you're on you're outside of the tournament picture right now, you really have no margin for error in terms of getting back on it. Here's here's the here's the number I want I want to relay to you and you can you can do with this what you will, Steve. In 2019, which is the last really good ACC season, North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia were all number one seeds. They played a combined 48 quadrant one games. Duke this year is going to play either eight, maybe nine, if the Clemson game gets rescheduled. You know, it's just, it's, it's crazy. The opportunities just aren't there. It's almost like if you're not Duke or UNC or Virginia Tech, you know, you're, which are, I think all three are locks for the tournament. We'll see, but I, I, feel pretty good saying that it just feels like such an uphill battle. And normally that is, you know, these middling teams have a chance to, to build their resume to conference season. You, you play a, you know, you don't play a strong, super strong non-conference because you have those opportunities in conference. You have so many of them normally that you don't want to overload your non-conference this year. It's the opposite. And that's highly unusual for a power five program, particularly, you know, the ACC or the big 10 or somebody like that, where that would happen. But, but here we are, and um, you know, Duke kind of needs this Clemson game to be rescheduled. Frankly, I mean, uh, uh, they they have the win over Gonzaga. I mean, it's not not going to keep them from, you know, they're going to be a one or a two or whatever, you know, as it turns out. But but it could be the difference. I think you mentioned between being a one and a two. Absolutely, if you look at uh, the SEC teams, the Big Twelve teams that are going to have double digit quadrant one games and double digit quadrant one wins. Now, look, we could take a step back. I would argue that the quadrant system is dumb because we have perfectly good ways of assessing it, how good we think a team is and whether you want to use Ken Palm or BPI or whatever, they're all fine. And we have really good ways of measuring what a team has done. Like what is its resume? We have strength of record and, and, and wins above bubble. Like we, we know all this, that the, it's not even like the data is out there. Like the metrics, the analysis, the meta of that data is out there. And the committee insists on putting things into buckets, which is a terrible way with, with the net, which tries to mix those things. This, it's just a terrible, I get why they do it. It sounds good when you're sitting around a conference table. The reality is we have better ways of measuring this stuff. We'd be much better off with a bracket that's picked by those resume metrics, you know, strength of record or wins above bubble, and then seeded by uh, any kind of, any one of those Sagarin, Ken Palm, whatever. And so what you do is you take how good you've been, and then we seed you according to how good we think you are, and you get a much more anyway. Yeah. Rant, rant over. <laughs> the net is really a sorting tool, right? I mean, that's what it that's what it is. And it gives the, the committee a way to explain it to the layman, I think, right? Okay, this is you know, one, two, three, four, four little areas. This is a terrible win, this is a terrible loss, this is a good win, this is a good loss. And what we're talking about with the metrics is you're going deeper and you have to. But there are so many of them out there now that you can explain it easily, right? I mean, yeah. and the other part of it, ten years ago, with the quadrants, is you're just drawing these arbitrary lines. So one mm-hmm. through thirty is at home is a quadrant one win, but one through seventy five on the road is. You know that doesn't that sounds good, but it doesn't necessarily necessarily account for the actual value of a home and road win necessarily uh, when there are metrics that do that and that 
properly assess the value of a home. Like Winds Above Bubble does a great job of that. Anyway, mm-hmm. we've, been, we've been sidetracked here. The point <laughs> is, regardless of what we think of it, this is the way the committee does it and will continue to do it for the foreseeable future. And it's bad news for the ACC because when you start sorting these teams into buckets, given the net ratings of ACC teams going into conference play, and they may change some, but you're kind of dealing with a, a, a set amount mm-hmm. of power that may be redistributed among the teams, but it's not going to just get bigger on its own as they play each other. It's it's a pretty dire situation. I mean, I never thought you'd, we'd be back in a situation like 2011 or 2012 or 2013 during that epic, which the ACC, four years is epic, epic Final Four drought. But, but we are. I mean, the, the chances of getting five in are just minuscule at this point. Four is going to need a stroke of luck Three is the minimum. I think the ACC is getting three teams in no matter how badly things go. But you're talking about a league that five years ago won 19 NCAA tournament games. Yeah. Three out of 15 teams we're talking about getting yeah. in the tournament. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Uh, crazy bad. And, yeah, th- there's really not much that could be done at this point. Like you say, once you get to this point, you can't you can't fix it because you're only playing each other now. You know, if, if enough teams knock off Duke, to get those big wins, that's going to knock Duke down, right? I mean, yeah, they're going to make the it's tournament. It's a zero-sum but... game now. Yeah, yeah. Someone wins and someone loses. And right. it's crazy to think, let's say somebody, I, I don't know, let's say, let's say I, Pepperdine wins the West Coast Conference Tournament, and Pepperdine gets into the tournament. Well, Gonzaga's in, San Francisco's mm-hmm. in, and BYU's in. Four. You could end up four. in a situation where the West Coast Conference has more teams in than the ACC. Right. This is actually a year where the ACC is going to need a Virginia or a Syracuse or a Florida State or a Miami or Notre Dame to win the tournament just, yes. just to get another bid. Just yeah. to get another bid. Like the only well, normally way it's ACC, kind of a novelty. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Or it's a team that was going to win it anyway. Like Georgia Tech was yeah. in last year anyway. It's right. just it's just crazy to think that not only could that happen, but the ACC really needs it to happen for the good of the league. It's it's a strange place we found ourselves in here. So yes. Duke and and for look Clemson too. Duke and mm-hmm. Clemson very badly need to get that game rescheduled. I, there's not the same. I don't know what the right word is. Impetus behind Duke and Notre Dame because look, Notre Dame's not going to the tournament. That win is not going to help Duke that much. I think it would be a quadrant two win uh, on the road. I, yeah, I, road game, right? There's not a lot. There's not a lot of there there on that one. The Clemson game is huge. Clemson's a big game. That that one matters. So and, and um, now you've got to try to and, and for Duke, obviously they're both they're both road trips. Clemson's not a very far road trip, but as you try to to show, shoehorn this into the schedule that's already there, that makes it more difficult. Like trying to get a trip to South Bend, you know, in between two games where you had one open day or something, is going to be very difficult to do for Duke. Yeah. Um, Clemson, you can pop down there, you know, pretty quickly. The, the you know the charter flight and all that stuff, but. Um, there's one little gap where they have like a home game on a Tuesday and a home game on a Saturday in February. Maybe they could pop it in on that Thursday. Maybe they could fly down to Clemson. I don't know. I mean, I'm just looking at it, but I know, I know there's, um, interest. I mean, obviously they, they want to, they want to play the games. They, they both, both schools, all three schools here want to play sure. these games. So there's, 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 there's want to there, but it's just a matter of where you find the hole to get, to get it done. It's it's going to be tricky. I, I think probably the best window is it is another cancellation or another postponement. Yeah, you know, if, depending on how Clemson's schedule works out. But if you know the 
the, the, the February 12th game at Boston College, if that were to somehow get canceled and Duke can go to Clemson instead, that would be a lot better for the ACC in general. Yeah, when, yeah that's what, right. Either way, either way, yeah. either Duke or Clemson's getting a quadrant one win out of that, you know, you would, you would, it would help the ACC either way. Um, more if Clemson beat Duke, which isn't how Duke is looking at it, but still. <laughs> Let's switch gears for a second. You've, you, I've been to a couple of Duke games. You've obviously been to most, if not all, of the home games this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it all? All of them, yeah. Missing one? Yeah, I couldn't remember if you nope. had a missing one. Which is, which is good. Congrats, so, I guess. All that <laughs> sitting in front of semi-masked students didn't get you sick. It was later. Or, yeah. <laughs> I think that's, we'll I think see. you're, uh, yeah. <laughs> Who you, knows? You, you know better than me how the timing worked out. Uh, but it, there is, it is interesting. We talked earlier, Duke did not have a COVID pause last year until the ACC tournament. The Blue Devils made it that far. There's no question in my mind that Duke was the most proactive and, you know, anal school about COVID restrictions last year in terms of how they treated their athletes and fans and, uh, all of that, you know, they didn't even allow the media into Cameron. Uh, right. It was just, just, just TV and radio people. It was not any, not even a pool reporter just to see what happens during the timeouts, which is, which is what we had argued for at the end. But this year Duke's in a COVID pause or coming out of a COVID pause. And there are no attendance restrictions in Cameron. Uh, there were fans in there for the women's game on Sunday. There will be fans in there for the men's game on Tuesday. Does this strike, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, this is obviously your opinion is not the, the guiding light here, no offense, but does it strike you at all as odd, not your opinion so much as just your experience watching Duke navigate the pandemic? Yeah, they're usually like kind of, they follow things across the board. You know, this is what we're doing. We're going to be safe here. We're extra careful here. Boom, boom, boom. Here we go. And now there's a little bit of a disconnect because. They're not allowing in-person classes. They initially said, we're going to hold off until January 10th. And then last Friday, as the cases kept growing and everything, pushed it back to January the 18th. So no no hybrid. It's all Zoom. And um, yet that's going on. And they're letting everybody into Cameron, you know, to watch the games and all that kind of stuff. And um, the reason they give, basically what the, the administration did in this situation was, they said all facilities are open on campus. That's not just athletics, Cameron, anywhere. It's up to the individual department or sponsoring entity to decide if they want to have this event or not. So it, whereas before it was all from, you know, the top on down, right? Cam Wolf and Vince Price and everybody. Okay, we're not doing anything anymore. We're done. Uh, and they're pointing to the vaccination status. They're pointing to, you know, you have to be vaccinated to attend the game at Cameron or a negative test within 72 hours. Um, and uh, that that's their fallback. Like, hey, you know, the, the idea was to obviously encourage people to get vaccinated, make it easier. Uh, and that was great. That was, a, I think, a wise decision. But Omicron doesn't matter. <laughs> or Omicron, what do you say? Doesn't matter because, as Coach K just said this morning, uh, you know, uh, COVID ran through this team, coaches, players, everything. They're all vaccinated. And most of them are boosted now, and they still got it. I I'm the, I'm in the same situation, you know. I'm vaccinated, boosted, and I still got it. So, um, it's it, it is unusual to see Duke in this situation where, you know, one hand's doing one thing and one hand's doing another. 
Um, I, I wonder as we go forward to the next couple of weeks, if that's going to change, I, 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 I just keep waiting for that to happen. And I, I don't know if it's going to, they seem like they're happy with what they're doing now, but again, we'll follow how the cases go and everything. Yeah. And no one wants to come out and say this, but I think the fact that there are all kinds of people who have bought tickets to do home games to see Mike Krzyzewski one last time makes it tougher to pull that plug than it might ordinarily be in a different season. Right. Don't, you know, I think that probably is, is not the deciding factor, but it's somewhere in the equation. And it's, it's, it's strange to me just because Duke in 2020 and obviously in 2020, 21, the academic year was so proactive. You know, this is the school that basically pulled the plug on the ACC tournament and really the NCAA tournament almost by extension once, you know, it, 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 it was a domino, a big domino falling toward the, the cancellation of the basketball tournament in 2020. And the, and, you know, the other part of this is Duke has in the past uh, taken a lot of cues from the Ivy league. And, you know, the Ivy league was the first to cancel sports. Duke followed that. Duke president Vincent Price came from Penn along with football coach, Mike Elko and me, you know, there's a, there's always been a connection there. Penn just this week, a week ago, banned spectators from the Palestra. So it played its first game in an empty building Sunday against Brown. Uh, it, it is, that is, that, that, that's, that's the trend right now. Um, other Ivy League schools have as well. Duke has traditionally used that as a sort of canary in the coal mine when deciding what direction to go. So it'll be very interesting to see if that, again, has some effect on Duke's actions going forward. You know, I think you, you look at the other schools, there, there's been no momentum there. Uh, you know, I don't, you don't hear this discussion at NC State. You don't hear it at Carolina. It may be happening, but it's not bubbling to the surface. It's certainly not happening with the Hurricanes, although the NHL has canceled games uh, in Canada where that were supposed to be played in empty buildings and has basically said, look, let's let this wave pass. Let's get those games rescheduled later in the season. Let's not lose you know, that revenue. And that's a different situation. It's a, a, a revenue split with the players. It's a salary cap. It behooves everybody not to play those games in empty buildings, not just the owners, the players too. Uh, and there it doesn't also does not seem to be the sort of governmental impetus that we saw sort of at this time two years ago, or not this time, but 22 months ago uh, toward banning fans from buildings or, or even a year ago where the hurricane started the season about this time in an empty building. And certainly Duke was in an empty building and state and Carolina at that point were in empty buildings. And then that started to change as we got into the spring and things started to open up. I don't get that sense, Steve, and, and maybe, maybe you do that there's any sort of governmental uh, interest in restricting spectators. It, it feels like if this is either. going to happen, it's going to come at Duke's instigation and probably just at Duke. Absolutely. If it happens at all. Right. Right. And I think uh, from what, you know, other uh, administrators I've talked to about this is, and this is a quote somebody gave me was we've taken we've taken death out of the equation was the idea that like with, with vaccinations, you don't get as sick. Um, if you're, if you're, in a, if you're vulnerable anyway, you probably shouldn't be going to a basketball right. game, right? Even if you have a mask on and you're vaccinated, if you're that in that situation. So um, it, it's not like, yeah, in, in 2020, you know, there's no vaccines or anything and anybody can, you know, you can catch it and die. And, and that's the way it was. Yeah. And, and especially that's not for the young case athletes. Well. Yeah. Long-term consequences. Right. Yeah. Right. Though, though that's been taken away. And so that I think is what was what Duke is kind of hanging its hat on right now is, 
it's we're not in that situation. We're in this situation. And so um, now, you know, again, everything could change. Somebody could get, you know, gravely ill uh, who's young and was wearing a mask and all that. And we don't want it to happen, but it could. And that that could change things. But right now, that's not it. And I, I do. You made a great point about Coach K's last year. I mean, he doesn't want to be in an empty building. People have planned trips. You know, I was getting last week while I was out isolating, I got a, a message from somebody who said, hey, I'm supposed to travel from Buffalo to Notre Dame for this basketball game Saturday. I planned this trip. It's my time to see you know Duke play this year. And at that point, they hadn't officially postponed it yet. Kind of said, "Hey, you might as well cash in your ticket, or you know, whatever you got to do. Yeah, make your and that's that's terrible. It stinks, you know. No, I mean, people have planned trips around these games, especially as we get into ACC play here. So um, that is a factor. I think is definitely a factor. Yeah, I was hoping we wouldn't be still having this conversation at this point. To be honest, I don't want to. <laughs> I yeah. didn't want to. <laughs> no, it's just and, and to be honest, I I don't really I don't have and it's my job to have opinions on this stuff. I really don't have an opinion one way or the other about what Duke should or, you know, would do. I, you know, I, to me, the other schools are not going to do it. They're not, they're not going to play in an empty building. I, I don't think there's any obligation for Duke to do so. Uh, it would certainly be Duke's choice and wouldn't be out of character, but I don't really have an opinion on it at this point. I had a lot of strong opinions about COVID early on and what schools should or shouldn't do. I, you know, I really don't, it feels like this one's totally up to Duke. I don't really think there's a case, a strong case to be made either way. I get though, the people who are saying it's incongruous for you to be having saying it's not safe to hold classes, but it is safe to hold basketball games. There is a logical hurdle there. That is, seems a little odd. And that is, you know, and I'm, you mentioned a column you wrote today about, about some of this stuff. I, I about ACC basketball, I'm working on a story about that right now, about, uh, there's some there's people on campus, some students who are not happy that they can't go to, you know, they're paying for this expensive education and they want to have it in person and yet they can't do it. They understand that, but they don't understand why basketball is being played. And yeah. so it's, it's definitely something that has to be addressed. And uh, I think maybe there's a misunderstanding about how it's not just basketball that's being played that, you know, obviously from that letter last Friday from Sally Kornbluth and the, and the, uh, the provost said any event can happen. It's, it's up to the individual group. If they want to, we're not going to stop it. So it's not just basketball. It's the whole campus. So, uh, sure. That is definitely important. Well, my hope is the next time you and I talk about this or anything on this podcast, we're talking about how the Omicron wave has passed and boy, wasn't that crazy. And uh, boy, it's so nice that that's done with, but we'll, I'm sure we've got whatever comes after Omicron is hanging out there. What do you Ready to mess with the postseason. So we I thought that with Delta, didn't we? Yeah, we sure we sure <laughs> After did. The College World Series. <laughs> Speak, speaking of Delta, I did book my flights for the ACC tournament. ACC tournament uh, in Brooklyn today. My hotel was already booked, but uh, we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see Big whether D. or not that was a a foolish a foolish decision. There, there actually had a Big D Delta, not Little D Delta. Yes, yes. Big D Delta. Yes. So so I'm looking forward. Yes. Back to New York, uh, you know, that's a hot spot right now for the virus, right? Uh, just like it was early in 2020. We got but, um, two we'll months see. for that to clear up. I think it'll run its I, Yeah, I boy, I, I certainly hope the landscape is different in two months for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Steve, thanks for your time and uh, your breakdown on the Duke situation. Blue Devils Tuesday at home against Georgia Tech, assuming everything goes as planned. Uh, for the NNO, 
I'm Luke DeCock with Steve Wiseman, and we will talk to you on Friday.